Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, registered dietitian and weight loss coach, and you're listening to the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast, a place for practical advice for women looking to balance their hormones, ditch dieting, and discover mindset shifts that will keep you motivated and empowered on your healthy eating journey. Are you ready to get started? Daphne here. I'm jumping on here live as I promised to talk about dairy and share some information with you about whether or not you should be eliminating it, who should be happy, how much, what type, all of that good stuff. And as you probably know, if you've been researching, going online, following people on social media, you may have heard that you need to eliminate dairy. So I want to clear up the confusion and talk a little bit about it because not everyone, not every woman, woman, woman with PCOS should be eliminating dairy. So there's no need to be strict. There's no need to feel deprived. I want to explain to you exactly what the story is with dairy so that you can make an informed decision for yourself so that you can understand how dairy behaves in the body, what kind of things we're concerned about, and then you can make an educated decision for your own situation. But before we do that, I see there's a couple of people who jumped on live. I want to know, let me know in the comments if you currently consume dairy or not. So just tell me yes or no. If you currently consume dairy, and I just want to gauge and understand if this is something that you're currently having. Now, if you followed me for a while, or maybe you've been working with me or listening to my podcast or following me on social media, you may know that I don't believe in restrictions. So I don't believe that women with PCOS need to eliminate everything, right, in order to feel good, in order to see progress and heal their body. But we do want to understand exactly what things may trigger certain symptoms. So I understand. Um, so Ashley says she does consume dairy. Let me know. Just say yes or no. Do you consume dairy? I just want to know how you guys feel about it. And because I don't believe in restriction, I never tell someone that they have to eliminate anything. We really have to go by your symptoms. So dairy does fall into this category. And one of the good things about dairy is that we actually do have a lot of good evidence to to talk about it and to understand it in relation to PCOS which is something we can't say for things like gluten, for example. So the other big food or food group or nutrient that people usually talk about eliminating is gluten. And we actually have no evidence to support the idea of removing gluten completely from the diet when it comes to PCOS. But with dairy, we do have some information. So let's jump. Okay, Lily says she consumes dairy. All right, that's good to know. So you're going to get a lot of value out of today's session because I'm going to be talking about specifically What should you be thinking about when you're consuming dairy for PCOS? And as I'm going through it, I want you to think about your individual symptoms. Are you someone who deals with weight gain? Are you someone who has missing periods? Maybe you're not ovulating. Maybe you're dealing with acne. These are all symptoms that are, of course, PCOS related and that you're going to want to consider when you're thinking about which foods are going to be a part of your diet. So when we're talking about dairy, we're talking about cow's milk and its products, right? So we're talking about the milk that cows produce when they're pregnant and then when they're lactating after after they deliver. So this milk that the cows produce is very high in a hormone that is called insulin-like 
growth factor. Okay, it's a long name, so we're just going to call it IGF. An insulin-like growth factor, IGF, is a hormone that is found in very high amounts in cow's milk. And it just so happens that it's the same hormone that we have in our body in high amounts as well during puberty. The reason that it's high during puberty is that IGF is a type of growth hormone, which makes sense why why cows would produce it during pregnancy so that their baby can develop, the, the their, um, their embryo could develop properly during the pregnancy, right? So it's a growth hormone, and this is why it's also high during puberty, because during pu- puberty, we gain height, we develop, we grow, and it really peaks in humans around puberty. But- Most of you have been through puberty, and you probably know that about 80% of people also experience pretty severe acne during puberty. And this is likely because of IGF. So it's likely because of this hormone, insulin-like growth factor, which we're going to call IGF, that peaks during puberty. So we see acne, and when we consume cow's milk, we consume pretty high amounts of this hormone. Now, sometimes when we have acne, and I've suffered with acne my whole life, especially um, in my teens and 20s, and what I've been told, and you've probably been told as well, is that fatty foods should be eliminated, right? Because fatty foods like fried foods or pizza trigger acne. And what we know is that's actually not true. What triggers acne is insulin-like growth factor that's coming from dairy. And what we also know is that high-fat dairy actually produces less acne than skim milk or low-fat milk. So skim milk and low-fat milk actually make acne worse compared to full-fat milk. And this is why the idea that the fat in milk or in anything is what triggers acne is just not true. So fried foods or cheese or um, pizza or things like that, and we're going to talk about cheese specifically, are actually not going to trigger someone's acne. It's mostly related to the hormone that is um, peaking during that time, which is insulin-like growth factor, which does go down after puberty, but if someone is consuming high amounts of dairy and is suffering from acne, I would take a closer look at the dairy because it's likely related to that. And again, milk that is low-fat or fat-free is going to make things worse because milk that's low-fat or fat-free is lower in estrogen and higher in testosterone. So anytime that we have more testosterone in the body and When we do consume cow's milk, insulin-like growth factor triggers the adrenal glands and the ovaries to produce more testosterone. And this is why we see greasy skin, greasy hair, things like facial hair, hair loss. And of course, when we have greasier skin, we have more acne breakouts. So this is all the action of testosterone, which is triggered by the hormone IGF coming from dairy, especially from low-fat and fat-free dairy products. So hopefully this makes sense. This is kind of the first thing that I wanted to talk about, and it's mostly related to acne. So if you're someone who deals with acne, I would highly encourage you to look at the type and amount of milk and dairy products that you're consuming, because there's a pretty good chance that you'll see relief. I don't know if it will completely heal, but there's a 
pretty good chance that you'll see relief when you reduce the amount of dairy that you consume. And I'm going to tell you exactly what is the amount that's recommended when I wrap up at the end. But if you are currently eating you know, cereal with milk in the morning, and maybe you're consuming low fat, like 1% or 2% or skim milk, first of all, I would try to switch to whole milk and see if that would make a difference. And then if you're someone who eats a lot of yogurt or cream cheese or sour cream and regular cheese as well, you may want to look at that and reduce the amount if acne is a problem especially if you have cystic acne. So cystic acne is actually what I used to suffer from, and it's acne that actually occurs under the skin. It's these really painful um, lesions, like boils, under the skin, usually in the jawline area, and many women with PCOS deal with this. If you're someone who's dealing with cystic acne, which is a really, really horrible thing, and I know firsthand how both emotionally and physically it can be, you want to eliminate dairy. I This is the one blanket statement that I'm going to make today. And I'm going to say, if you have cystic acne, try to remove dairy from your diet for about three to four weeks and see if you feel any better, if things are improving, and then you can make a decision how to move forward. But I would suggest that you eliminate it just for a little bit and see if your cystic acne is somewhat diminished. So let me know in the comments this is all making sense so far. And also, if any questions come up while I'm talking, I want you to put them in the comments so I can address everything at the end. So let me know in the comments if anything that I said so far is not clear. I want to clarify it for you. And if you have a general question or something that I didn't address, let me know in the comments so I can make sure to answer it. So basically, we have this hormone, insulin-like growth factor, that's going to feed into higher levels of testosterone. And testosterone is not only going to make acne worse, you want to be thinking about other things that are related to testosterone, like facial hair, hair loss. I talked about lack of ovulation. These are all things that are related to high testosterone levels. So you may want to, again, not completely eliminate unless you have cystic acne, but at least reduce the amount just slightly and see if your symptoms improve. It should take a couple weeks, maybe two, three weeks, and you should see a difference. So it doesn't take that long and you should be able to, to get an idea of whether or not it's working pretty quickly. Now, the other reason that we're a little bit concerned about dairy, again, we don't want to eliminate, but we want to look at the amount and type, and I'm going to talk about that is glycemic index. And this is something you've probably heard about before. So it's not necessarily related to a hormone that's in milk, like I just spoke about with IGF. This is related more to how quickly milk raises insulin levels and blood sugar levels. So the glycemic index is all about how quickly does a food raise our blood sugar levels. And of course, we want food to raise blood sugar levels gradually, slowly. We don't want peaks and valleys. We want a nice curve of blood sugar levels going up and then slightly going down in very nice wave-like motions, right? We don't want peaks and valleys. And what we know is that milk actually causes some peaks and valleys in your blood sugar levels. And as a result of that, it also increases insulin levels. That's because milk is considered fairly high in glycemic index. It raises blood sugar and insulin very high, and it raises them both very quickly. And we don't want that. And this is an interesting thing because we usually think about glycemic index when we're talking about high sugar foods 
right? So cookies, cakes, ice cream, candy. But here we have a food, milk, that is naturally high in sugar, right? So lactose is the sugar in milk. And this is the better type of sugar, right? We th typically think of naturally occurring sugar as better, but still it's fairly high in glycemic index. It's blood sugar fairly high, fairly quickly, and we don't want that. So one of the things that we know is that when people consume milk, like liquid milk or things like um, yogurt, cottage cheese, anything that is soft, any type of soft dairy product, so sour cream, ice cream, um, all of those things, the glycemic index is really high and insulin levels are going to spike. This doesn't happen with hard cheeses. The reason for this is that the harder the cheese is, the lower the lactose is because hard cheeses have um, the lactose removed from them while they're strained. So a cheese becomes hard when it's strained of the liquid. If anyone ever saw cheese being made, you know that softer cheeses have higher water content and that's usually higher in lactose. That's why people who are lactose intolerant can't tolerate things like milk or ice cream, but they can tolerate um, aged cheddar cheese, for example. Lactose has been mostly removed from that. So I want you to understand that there is a difference between regular softer cheeses and things like cream cheese and milk and harder cheeses. So hard cheese doesn't have as high of a glycemic index because it doesn't contain as much lactose. So hard cheese, for the most part, is not going to impact PCOS that much. So if you're someone who likes to sprinkle Parmesan cheese or you like a little bit of sharp cheddar cheese, like aged cheddar cheese, the harder the cheese is, the lower the lactose, and it's likely okay to consume. But if you're consuming a lot of cream cheese, sour cream, um, softer cheeses, ricotta cheese, that type of stuff, you're probably going to see some impact because it's going to raise your insulin levels. And when insulin levels go up, we already know that up to 90% of women with PCOS are insulin resistant. So we don't want any more insulin being pumped the system. We want to lower it as much as possible. So we're not going to want to go with dairy items that are the softer type in uh, yogurt, as well as milk. Now, one exception is Greek yogurt. So Greek yogurt is actually also relatively low in lactose. So that's actually a pretty good choice. So Greek yogurt, again, it's thicker because it's been strained. So a lot of the lactose is removed. And a lot of people do tolerate Greek yogurt just fine, even if they're lactose intolerant. So this actually has nothing to do with lactose intolerance. I just want to clarify that, but I'm giving you that example to show you that a lot of um, harder cheeses, Greek yogurt, and other cheese products that are strained have lower lactose levels, and those are probably okay. Cottage cheese would be a little bit high in lactose. Um, however, again, if you're um, consuming it in the right amounts, and let me just say it, what they are. So that would be about two servings per day. So it could be a cup of cottage cheese, yogurt, or, or milk, or an ounce and a half of cheese. One of those is one serving. So Ashley, if you're consuming one serving of cottage cheese per day, that's perfectly fine, especially if you don't have um, symptoms like acne and facial hair and things like that, you should be okay.
However, if you're having a lot of cravings, if you're having a lot of unexplained weight gain, if you're dealing with um, missing periods or no ovulation, we may want to take a look at that because again, lactose is um, the, the dairy products with the high lactose are going to increase insulin. And the more insulin resistant someone is, if they're pumping more insulin into their system, all of those symptoms that I just mentioned are going to get worse. Those are all related to insulin resistance. So cravings, poor blood sugar control, um, unexplained weight gain, especially in the midsection, those are things that are usually related to insulin levels that are too high. You wouldn't want to add insult to injury and add a lot of dairy products to that person's diet because those symptoms will likely get worse. Okay, so let us let me jump into the comments and see what you guys are talking about. So yes, I answered about cottage cheese. Yeah, Lily says, I only have Greek yogurt. Yeah, that's perfect. And one of the things that I always tell my clients to look for, because it's confusing. So first of all, never go with fat-free or low-fat. Full fat is where we want to go. It's it tastes better. It's more satisfying. It's more filling. It's delicious. And you want to just make sure that there's more protein grams than sugar grams in your yogurt. Okay. So when you look at the label, it could be flavored. Sometimes people ask me, can I only have plain yogurt? No, you can have flavored yogurt. But what you want to look for is that the protein grams are higher than the sugar grams. That's going to naturally weed out all the higher sugar yogurts, and you're going to be able to pick from whatever brand you like. So I don't want you to be tied to one specific brand or anything like that. There's no need to do that. Okay, great. So if you have any other questions, put them in the comments below. Um, I want to talk a little bit about if you do decide to eliminate dairy, there are nutrients in dairy, right? So we do start missing out on certain things. So we want to make sure we're making up for it somewhere else in your diet. And specifically, dairy is high in calcium. It's high in vitamin D. And by the way, full fat dairy has been shown to be beneficial for fertility because of the higher content of vitamin D. So there are studies showing that women who eat full fat dairy products when they're trying to consume have better chances of becoming pregnant, and that's likely related to the nutrients in yogurt, specifically vitamin D. So keep that in mind if this is something that's a concern for you. But vitamin D, calcium are both things that are super important, especially for us women for bone health. So we want to make sure that if we're eliminating dairy or reducing the amount to the amount of servings that I just mentioned, which is two per day, so studies show that when women consume three or more servings of dairy per day, their PCOS symptoms go a little haywire. So I usually recommend sticking with about two servings per day. And again, a serving is eight ounces of milk, a cup of yogurt. It could be five to six ounces of cottage cheese or an ounce and a half of cheese, which is about a quarter cup of shredded cheese or two slices. So if you were to eat two slices of cheese per day and a Greek yogurt, you're perfectly fine. That's considered two servings, even though it's three things. Okay, so hopefully that makes sense. So two servings per day is what we want to stick with. But if you've cut back a lot and if dairy is a major source of calcium in your diet, you want to make sure to add other foods that are going to replenish your calcium so you don't get deficient. So some foods that are really high in calcium are 
fish. So those of you, I don't know if there's many of you out there, but if you like sardines, sardines are a great source of calcium. Other fish is fine too. Leafy greens are super high in calcium. So spinach, kale, Swiss chard, collard greens, those are all high um, foods that are very high in calcium. So you definitely want to incorporate them in large amounts into your diet. We talked about fish. Soy products that are not processed like edamame or tofu are very high in calcium as well. This is why, by the way, people from Asian origins like Japan and people from Asia do not eat a lot of dairy, but their calcium levels are perfect. That's because they eat a lot of soy products. So soy that is unprocessed is perfectly fine to incorporate unless you have a thyroid condition. Um, so then you want to be careful because it can reduce the efficacy of your medications. But I don't want to get into that now. But if you're consuming unprocessed soy, you should be able to get your calcium levels perfectly fine. And then with vitamin D, you want to make sure that you're, again, focusing on fish. If you're not eating fish, you may need a supplement because there are not a ton of sources of vitamin D in the diet. So a lot of foods are fortified with vitamin D, and you can read the label and, and check if something is fortified. But fish is a great source of vitamin D, as well as liver. I don't know if any anyone eats liver. More, um, but liver is actually very dense in nutrition. So we're talking about cod liver or beef liver or chicken liver is okay too. Um, so those are things that are high in vitamin D. Unfortunately, not things that people commonly eat. Um, so if you don't eat fish, if the idea of eating liver is not for you, and you also don't consume seeds like flax seeds, chia seeds, sesame seeds, you may want to look into taking a supplement of vitamin D just to cover your bases, make sure that you're not going too low. So, And then I want to talk a little bit about um, because I talked about labels and fortified products, I want to talk about milk substitutes because I'm sure some of you are thinking, well, what about almond milk or cashew milk or coconut milk? So they're all okay. Some of them tend to be really high in calories and saturated fats. So an example of this would be coconut cream or coconut milk. I want you to make sure that you're looking at the label. I have three criterias for these meal, milk replacements that you want to be looking for. And if you like to eat cereal or you use it in your shakes or oatmeal instead of dairy, they're perfectly fine. So first of all, you want to make sure that they're about 50 calories or less per cup. So usually unsweetened almond milk will be right in that category. Cashew milk is fine. I don't usually recommend rice milk. It has very little nutrition. And rice milk, by the way, is just the water that rice has been soaked in. So I don't know if you know this, but there's actually no nutrition in it. It's very high in starch. So I wouldn't want that to be your, your milk substitute of choice. But I do love unsweetened almond milk. I have no problem with cashew milk. It's totally fine. Hemp milk could be okay. So 50 calories or less per serving. I want no added sugar. Okay, so make sure you look at the ingredients. There's no added sugar in there. And then I also want you to make sure that it is fortified with calcium, which usually would mean it has about 20 to 30% of the recommended daily value for calcium. And that would be right on the label. You should be able to see that pretty easily right there on the label. So when you look under the nutrition information on the bottom, there's four vitamins that are listed. Calcium is one of them. 
make sure that the milk substitute you're picking has at least 20 to 30 uh, percent of the daily value for calcium so you can stay strong your bones can stay strong and calcium is super important for overall health so make sure that you look for that on the label all right i want to go here and see if you have any questions if everything i just said makes sense um yeah so i think I think I've heard a lot. So what I wanted you to understand mostly is that you don't need to completely eliminate it. Here's the thing. Women with PCOS tend to have complicated relationships with food. You know, if you're someone who doesn't, didn't do well with restrictive diets, or if you constantly feel like there are things that are off limits for you, that's not a good feeling. I want your plan to feel sustainable. I want you to feel joy and happiness and positivity about your food choices and not feel like you're restricted. So this, this is why I say, don't eliminate dairy. If you can reduce it to two servings per day, do that for a few weeks, see how you feel, see if your symptoms are getting better. Maybe I have a lot of clients who've been doing this and feeling like they have less cravings, more energy, because here's the thing, if you're eating a lot of dairy and your blood sugar fluctuates a lot because of insulin levels and everything that I talked about, you're going to feel fatigued and you're going to feel a lot more symptoms like cravings and dips in your energy levels and weight gain and bloating. And that's another big one that I didn't really touch on, but I've had several clients in the past six months come in with diarrhea or IBS, a lot of gas and bloating. And when we eliminate air, a lot of that goes away. It doesn't all get better. It's not a thousand percent better, but it's much better. And over time, when we change other things in the diet, it gets dialed in even more. So if you're suffering from IBS, gas, diarrhea, maybe even constipation, dairy can cause both. I would suggest that you look into just sticking with the two servings per day if you can and see if it gets better, I can almost guarantee you that it will. So it's worth a try. That experiment usually has really good results. So you can definitely try with that. Um, you can track things if you're not sure how much you're eating now. Sometimes people start tracking and they realize they're eating five or six servings per day. So if you're eating something and you're using half a cup of shredded cheese, say in an omelet, that's two servings. So if somewhere else in your day, you're also drinking milk with your cereal, oatmeal, or maybe you're making a shake with milk or yogurt, now you're going up there with the servings. It's more than two. So keep that in mind. You always want to be measuring objectively and make sure that you understand that a serving is an ounce and a half of cheese or maybe a quarter cup or a quarter cup of shredded cheese or a cup of milk or about five ounces of yogurt or cottage cheese. Okay. So these are all things that I would, I wanted you to understand. We have the hormone that acts like insulin that could be causing some issues. We have the glycemic index of milk that could be causing some issues. Both of those things together, especially if you're dealing with acne, IBS, and cravings, I would strongly suggest that you take a little dairy and try to reduce the amount for a couple weeks. All right, guys, I always love to hear from you. I want to know your topic suggestions. If there's anything that you want me to talk about that I haven't spoken about already here in this group, I want to know. So shoot me a message or post in the group. And I want to see you post more. This group is for you. So if you have questions, if you're dealing with things that you're not sure how to handle, let us know so we can all help you troubleshoot. And then 
If you want to see more of a specific topic or have specific questions, let me know and I'm going to address them. I go live in this group every Thursday at 12 p.m. Eastern time to address a topic that's related specifically to PCOS, okay? So my hope is that it's helpful and valuable for you and that you can take this information and make progress in your own life with your own nutrition so you can get healthy as soon as possible, all right? I'll see you again here next week. I hope you have a good weekend and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.